0: Things Things. 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 Podcast. Podcast. All right, so I am talking now to Clint Spain from Kamikaze Zombie, which, uh, dude, two years is that right yeah two years it's ridiculous i i can't even believe because i i honestly felt like it couldn't possibly have been a whole year but the um i know it was before dragon con one year that i talked to you and it just turns out it was from the one like two years ago so that's ridiculous but i'm glad to be talking to you again and you've got a new album and it's pretty fucking badass <laughs> Thanks. What yes. has, uh, what, what's what been going on? What, what's what been happening <sighs> over the last two years? Let's catch up a little bit before we talk about the Destroyer of all things.
1: Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Comic-Con Zombie has been hella busy the last two years, and uh, we've toured a lot, and uh, we're getting ready, actually, this Friday to start our next run. We Our first night will be in Atlanta at the Highlander uh, with uh, Blessed Dead, which is a good friend of ours, and... Um, can't wait this will be a great way to start our next run but yeah we've been touring a whole lot and um and then after we we quit touring we uh took about six months of just kind of downtime just really focus on writing uh and touching up um the album for uh destroy of all things and making sure it was studio ready and uh, we weren't really close with our new drummer terry because terry terry's been with us um about a year and a half now, I guess, and uh, he's phenomenal, and uh, but just getting with him and working out that
0: stuff.: So you know, the album itself <laughs> is, like some of the themes are super easy to pick up on. I, I, "A Warning from Space," Fucking awesome. Any song about aliens yeah. there? like, yeah. like uh, tremendously put together. And, and the album, overall, really, really tight and clean. Like, what nice. was the the this time? Because I think last time you guys recorded at Lead Belly too. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we did that both times. So you Led had Belly.
0: like a, a a comfortable, familiar experience. Where did you bring a lot of stuff that you learned last time into this recording oh. experience? Yes,
1: man. Like, so the first time we went in with neither Nebris, it was um, definitely a learning experience for me and Steve. And um, Steve and I said, like, fucking second day in for neither the bridge. We said, we're not doing this again. Our next run will be much cleaner. So, um, yeah, we, we shut down shop, uh, about, uh, August of last year and, uh, just really focused on making sure, uh, we had everything, our ducks in a row, like much more, uh, than we did last time. And, and Matt, the producer at Lead belly, he, he, he straight up said, you know, we came in much better and much more prepared. And, um, steve and i just really spent a lot of time together just back and forth i would drive to his house and just um spend hours together just making sure we're playing the right stuff making sure the guitar parts are right making sure uh, we even like the song you know if, if there's parts of the song we wanted to drop we cut it and just took our time on it and um on this album steve got to write a lot more than he did on the last album which is great because the dude's a fucking killer guitar player and uh yeah, we just uh, me and him just really put in a lot more work, and you, you can tell.
0: So, as far as the song selection, did you have did you have a lot of stuff that didn't make the cut, or did you have stuff that you maybe loved at first but ended up getting changed a whole lot uh, between inception and the recording process?
1: Uh, not too much. Um, we we had a song, um, the cycle of demons, that's on this album, on the story of all things that. Originally was going to be played uh, was going to be recorded for um, Night of the newbrist, but it just wasn't ready, and we would, would, we didn't want to rush it, so we waited and held it um, for this album, which I think fits this album much better. And um, we um, we have one song that uh, we did cut the end off of it and put it on the song "The Devil's Night," and uh, but now Steve and I are actually playing with that that riff and we're going to use it on the next album. We're actually right now in the process of writing album number three.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. And, uh,
1: we're, we're actually going to do a third album, and um, sometime next year we're planning on doing a um, covers album with two original songs and a bunch of covers to it. So that'll be fun. But, uh, yeah, we, we don't really have leftover songs. We usually Everything we write, we usually use.
0: And you mentioned the Cycle of Demons, which has a badass guitar part at the end. Um that one jumped out at me. This I guess it's the solo towards the end of the song. Oh yeah. When you're putting well well, first of all, even deciding like whether or not a song is going to have a guitar solo, like how how do you feel something like that out and once you determine that it's going to be in there, what's the process of figuring out what fits the song?
1: Uh solos are one hundred percent left up to Steve as far as how he wants to um uh, approach it and how he wants to, to play the solo. Um, the only thing I ever input on is maybe sometimes I'll be like, "Why don't you put the solo here instead of there?" Type stuff. But most most all that stuff is 100 percent on Steve. He has a great ear, and I just trust what he wants to do. And that's that's been our formula from day one. You know, I'll write. Um, I may write the riff, you know, or the rhythm part. Sometimes he writes it that too. But um, sometimes he'll have both ideas in his head who be like I'm writing this rhythm and this leads don't go over this rhythm and he'll play it for me through a loop pedal or something so I can get the idea and it just goes you know but yeah that's all him that's 100% him on um, how to how he
0: writes those leads how much opportunity have you guys had to play this stuff out so far like out um, live
1: well um, we, we've we've played it a couple times we've actually changed up uh, lineup a little bit too um, in the past, I played rhythm guitar and did vocals. Um, but since... Uh, I guess our CD release show was maybe the first one. No, we, we opened for uh, Black Dahlia Murder back in May. And then we played uh, with... Um, we did the Nation of Do- Nation of Devastation tour with um, Dart Funeral and uh, Belford Gore and all those guys. They came through Birmingham. We opened up for that. Um, and then we did our um, CD release show. And those have been really that, and we've played One in Hustle. So we've had about four, maybe five shows with the album playing out live. And uh, I only do vocals now. I don't, I don't play rhythm guitar. Steve does all guitar work live. Oh, wow. And um, it makes for a much, a much better show. We're way more intense, and I can get into the crowd and really focus on being a front man and really rallying the crowd and interacting with people. And um, it's been great. It allows me to also do all the samples live. So we can put on a much better and much tighter stage show than we had in the past. It's basically what we've always wanted to do, and now having me as a free agent on stage to run about and do everything um, is great. We're even uh, thinking um, sometime in the next you know, six months to a year, getting a little more stage show oriented with like um, videos and stuff in the background and just really going all out with the, that whole image thing because image is really big for us.
0: It sounds like this has been really invigorating for you guys, like because so often you hear, "All right, well, we've we've got the album recorded. Now we've got to tour it. Now we've got like you, but you're working on the next album. You've got big plans for your live show. Like it sounds like you guys have a lot of energy right now.
1: Yeah, man. You know, like we were kind of starting to kind of feel the weight of not doing much uh, with the old album. Like the old album, neither um, it didn't seem very old to a lot of people because it was kind of new to everyone because when we finally made it out with it it was like wow this is awesome but for us we had been playing on those songs for about four years before most people heard them so it was just like so tired of playing those songs <laughs> uh, like steve and i have a joke like we'll never forget death rise a horse even if we wanted to because it just it's just grained into our brains
0: that seems common though is like because so many times, you know, you you start off as a band. You got to get good. You got to figure out what everybody's good at. You got to get your mm-hmm. repertoire of songs that you like together. And by the time you really start getting some traction and getting recognition, you've been living with the stuff that people are just discovering for so long. Oh yeah, which is a lot of the reason why uh, I think I read an interview with uh, some of the guys in Soundgarden a while ago and they were talking about when we hit it big we'd been playing those songs for like 10 years yeah like we were <laughs> yeah. we were already sick of the stuff that people wanted to hear at shows Yeah. uh and speaking of, of people hearing stuff at shows is there any th- any of the new stuff that you've already kind of noticed is getting a big reaction or or is there any stuff that you're particularly enjoying playing live
1: yeah so um it's funny you know like um Two songs, so, like, we, when we were, before the album came out, uh, we played the song Prometheus uh, live a lot with, during the, on the tours we were promoting um, Now of the Nubris. When we were, when we were doing the are doing the Nubris runs, we played uh, Cycle Demons and Prometheus just to kind of road test and give people a, a sneak peek of what's coming. And Prometheus was getting okay kind of, you know, reactions. Like, they're like, that's cool you know but nothing like hell yeah you know right, but right, now right. since the album's out i don't i don't know why but now since the album's out prometheus is one of our fan favorite kind of songs but uh devil's night and uh the dark Eyes of london seem to be two of the songs that people really like live um they they get a lot of energy going um M for me is one of my favorites i love that song uh, i love uh, the crazy uh three four time signature that's in the song it just um just keep beating you with a hammer, it feels like, the whole time. And, um, yeah, like, um, well, this song has been really just... Um, we, we play Hit Watches live, which is fun because no one knows how to move to it because it has that really <laughs> crazy jacked-up middle part. So by the time they find the groove, we're going into the Death Metal Blast Beat part. So then everybody's like, oh, okay, I get this part. But when we get into that sugar groove in the in the middle part of it, it's just no one knows what to do with it. It's funny watching people have seizures.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of uh, sort of styles within styles on this one, I feel yeah. like. Um, yeah. I, I was very impressed with how the cadence change, changes in a lot of places, and it kind of goes off into something a little bit different from what you expect, which is a crazy thing to do when the <laughs> average song length is like two minutes.
1: Right, <laughs> right. But that, that's always been kind of our thing. Like It's always been like, the KZ sound has been taking a whole bunch of stuff and putting it into a blender and missing it all up and what comes out, what comes out, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. But but then also on top of that, having like that two-minute grindcore style, always kind of like just keeping it the fat off of it kind of thing.
0: I, the, well, and that's what I love is nothing feels self-indulgent. I, I really do feel like you guys get in there, you do what you want, and you move on. There's nothing that feels... Like that, oh, it's time for the seven-minute intro before the song actually starts, <laughs> right? Which don't yeah. get me wrong, I love some of that stuff too, but uh, you know, it, it can get old if 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 the artist isn't uh, good at, like you said, cutting the fat.
1: Yeah, you know, like some some bands are great at, it. like like Metallica's first three albums. I mean, they wrote like twenty-minute songs, and it was amazing. You stayed, you know, in it the whole time, and then and there's stoner metal bands that can play like my buddies in the band hexes like they're great at it they play three songs for the whole set and their whole set's 30 minutes long so <laughs> but they keep you in in like they keep you engaged the entire time you don't ever think god damn when well, this is gonna be over you know but there are other stoner metal bands that aren't that great at doing that thing and they play songs and you're and like five minutes in and like you're ready to just to jump off a cliff and claw your eyes out you
0: know so it comes across more like wandering around a guitar yeah so in that time frame what kind of stuff have you been taking in uh like movies tv shows whatever that's sort of inspired you like what is is there any new stuff that you've checked out or even maybe old stuff that you hadn't seen before that's really gotten you going and been like man i this this is the kind of thing i'd like to write some music about
1: um, well, uh, so this, this album, it was weird because when we first started writing it with like lyrical content and trying to come up with like, uh, the movie kind of thing, you know, cause that's kind of our niche. Um, I was kind of having a, a dry spell, like hardcore. And, um, my wife, she's really into like fantasy movies and stuff. And she's really into like the never Ending stories one of her favorite movies. Okay okay so we were uh, we were watching that and uh, that kind of the end of the, no- the nothing the idea of the nothing if you notice it's a recurring theme on the whole album um, that uh, that intrigued me I liked the, the, I just liked how intense it was and I took it and twisted it up and I was watching um, Return of the Living Dead and that scene where they're talking to the corpse on the table and the corpse is all like uh, you know they eat brains because it, it hurts to be dead. I thought that was crazy and just a really cool concept and I just took that concept and the nothing and mixed it all into one little idea and from there it just started pouring out of me like crazy and, um, it just became, kind of kind of came an overall theme and, um, the actual title of the album originally I was going to do, um, from a Godzilla movie, I was going to do The Shorter of Worlds was going to be the title of it but, um, I changed it last minute to all things, so I thought it was a little more cryptic and it fit the other ideas a little more.
0: Well, and it seems <laughs> bigger. Like the destroyer of yeah. the destroyer of worlds is kind of a you know, we've heard that concept, right? We, right. we know like a galactus and, and, and yeah. you know, beings like that. You you know what yeah. that's about. But the destroyer of all things, like that's way more encompassing. That's right. Everything. There's nothing left. like, like I, it, I. As soon as I saw the title, I was like, "Man, that's like a complete statement right there." Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And like at one point, we like we had talked about maybe the title being um, a warning from space which was going to be the title of the album. Mm. Um, I thought that was a cool title, but then one day, it just I was just like thinking about it, and once I thought, "Destroyer of all things." It came, it came to me just like an epiphany. And then all of a sudden, um, I couldn't get it out of my head. And I was just like, man, that is fucking awesome. And the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. <laughs> this is going to be the title.
0: Yeah, that's a yes. powerful title. I love it. Um, it's funny you mentioned Never Ending Story because, like, looking back at, you know, 80s fantasy movies and the type <laughs> of stuff that I grew up on, there's so much horror yeah. in a lot of those supposed kid movies from that era like it's yeah. really wild a lot of the concepts like if you look at something like Time Bandits uh you know a pretty whimsical Terry Gilliam movie but <laughs> then at the end his parents touch the ultimate evil spoiler by the way if you haven't seen this 30 right. year old movie uh, at the end his parents touch the ultimate evil and they're gone right. it's like horrifying and and there yeah. was a lot yeah. of that kind of shit in the you know the 80s you know not necessarily horror but fantasy stuff
1: yeah yeah, it was a lot, a lot. The fantasy's a lot darker in the '80s, which I like. Which I can watch the fan. Like, I'm not much of a fantasy buff, but if we're going to watch a fantasy movie with well, my wife because she loves that stuff, I'd rather do something from the '80s than like uh, more modern stuff. More modern stuff seems too happy-go-lucky for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've we've lost a certain amount of darkness, and and I think yeah, it's it's you're better rounded seeing yeah. more of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, so is, is there any modern stuff that's caught your eye lately? Like in the last couple of years, any movies that have really uh, kind of gotten you thinking about uh, darkness and evil and whatever? Uh, it's just stuff like, I'm thinking of stuff like, uh, did you check out The Void?
1: I haven't, but I will check it out, though. Um, oh, the last, man. The last movie I watched that was newer was, the it's still a little old now, but Terrorizer, that was on Netflix.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, The Clown, right?
1: yeah. And that was such a a pleasant surprise. I was just sitting here just like bored, and I was like, I guess I'll just check this movie out, and I put it on. And I was just sucked in, and I was like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. And now they're making another one, like part two, and I can't wait.
0: Yeah, I wasn't expecting much out of that one. because (sighs) Me either. Well, so often now, uh, anybody can make a movie. Yep, And, you know, sometimes something can be like low budget and really independent and still be really awesome. And that's great. And I love that. But a lot of times, I mean, more often than not, the the sort of independently made movies that show up on streaming services are either they're so recognizable, like where their influences came from that it's just not interesting or they really needed more budget than what they had and they they didn't they didn't take the time to recognize their resources and and just kind of went beyond what they were capable of and it shows right
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: but yeah there's been there's been some uh some pretty cool stuff showing up lately and that that was one of them i like i said i didn't expect anything and then it had one one of the most brutal kills i've ever seen oh man yeah but but it wasn't just that kill like the movie was actually good. It was,
1: yeah, it was very good and super suspenseful. It kept you like uh I I kept like I was in it the whole time and ne- it never was like a moment where I was just, like I wonder what so was doing right now, you know, like I was just really focused on the movie and uh, a lot of modern films don't do that for me. Uh, they they uh, like to recap stuff too much, and I start getting kind of frustrated because it's like I do remember what happened five seconds ago. I don't have that bad of ADD, you know. Yeah, there's
0: yeah. there's a lot of uh, a lot of modern stuff tends to give you too much opportunity to like want to check your phone.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's that's kind of how I gauge how how interesting something is or how into it I am is if I want to look at my phone or not.
1: Right, because yeah, if it's really good, you don't ever even, you don't even know you have a phone. Right, like um, the, the new Suspiria movie, the, the remake of Suspiria. I wanted to see that. I still haven't seen it, but all my friends who are super film buffs, they all say, um, you know, it's worth a watch. Um, the new Halloween was great. I loved it. I was pretty pretty impressed with that one.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. The the well, Suspiria. Yes, you absolutely need to see it. Um, I didn't love it as much as everybody else did. Yeah, but it is totally, like, you have to see it. It's one of those movies you just have to see. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that Halloween, dude, that made me so happy. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I, because yeah. there were so many red flags going into it of, like, yeah. I don't know about this, and then I, I felt like they just nailed it and dude. left me wanting more.
1: Oh, you my know? God, yeah, dude. Like, whoever thought Danny McBride would write the most ultimate Halloween horror movie script? Yeah, absolutely. If, you know what I mean? Like, come on. So, you, if someone told me like five years ago, whenever Eastbound and Down was like really famous, popular HBO, if they were like, "That guy right there is going to write the best Halloween movie you'll ever see, next to the original." I'd be like, "What?"
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I never would have believed Kenny Powers yeah. would be the guy to take the reins of the Halloween <laughs> yeah. franchise with yeah. with his buddy, uh, the the foot fist way guy. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they, they totally nailed it. They brought back Laurie in such a more status, because I'm, I'm not oh, man, a fan yeah. of H2O. Me either. Uh, so to see Laurie actually get a good comeback that, like, totally made sense. Like, it right. really felt organic and real as to how everything would have yeah. went down. Yeah, I'm, I, I enjoyed it, it, man. Yeah,
1: everything. I even loved, like, like the opening scene with the in the insane asylum oh, with yeah. all the other... Oh, man, that was so awesome. And the way he got his mask back, and this one made so much more sense. And um, the teeth scene in the bathroom was just epic. Uh, Yeah, I I love that movie from beginning to end, and um, Carpenter killed it on the score, like killed it. For
0: me, the the big thing about that bathroom scene is up to that point, you kind of thought these were going to be not your main characters, because we know Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, but you thought they were going to be important characters. Right, and then they right. fucking kill them. Yeah, just just brutally kill them. <laughs> yeah. They just game over, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I dug it, man, I dug it. Um, all right, so with the Destroyer of all things, uh, like I said, really clean, really tight, uh, just a, a good, solid listen all together. <laughs> I know I can't ask you if you've got a favorite song off of it. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but do you have are there any little bits and pieces you injected in there like devil's night has uh some crow references in there a warning from yeah. space um and, you know has alien references are there any little reference <laughs> references <laughs> that you were like particularly excited about working in there and you were like oh man this one like this is the way to get this in there and when people hear it they're going to they're going to really love it like are there any little pieces like that that you just knew were going to be gold um <clears throat>
1: The Devil's Night is cool that you caught, picked up on the crow stuff. Uh, a lot of people didn't didn't get the crow, but yeah, Devil's Night is actually a combination of the crow and Harry Potter. And uh, my wife's a huge Harry Potter fan, and uh, I think it's like the uh, it's the second one, I guess, or the third. I can't remember. It's Sorcerer's Chamber, Chamber of Secrets, or whatever the crap is called. But it's, uh, there's a scene where they talk about drinking bloods of unicorns and living forever, and I thought that was just the coolest fucking idea. So I put it in there, and um, let's see. uh, Yeah, I loved uh, A Warning From Space. That one was probably one of my favorite songs to write lyrically um, because it's straight up just um, me uh, writing my love letter to the Alien movies.
0: Well, and it's funny to see that title because it's A Warning From Space. It's right there in the title what it's about. But then you get to the song, and you actually hear the LV-426, and you're like, oh, shit, that's exactly what this is. Yeah. Yeah, and well the na-
1: the name of the song is actually another horror movie from the 50s. It's, a, it's another uh alien horror movie. Uh with it's like a, it's really quirky. It's like a Japanese horror movie. Oh, nice. And uh these aliens come down like these like star-looking guy things. It's really it- it's worth a watch. It's fun. It's it's a fun popcorn movie just to sit around on a Saturday morning and check out some horror movies. But uh yeah, I used it and uh Yeah, and then we went straight up into alien territory, and uh, my wife helped me write the course. She's always like, I wrote that shit. I'm like, yeah, you you helped me write it. You didn't write the whole thing, you know. But, um, yeah. um, Oh, I guess another one I really, I I love sneaking in there was um, in Cyclodemons. Um, Most that song, I wrote kind of close to the chest about some stuff going on in my own own personal life with... uh, some close friends and close family who's had uh issues with drug addictions and stuff. Mm. Um but then uh I noticed as I was writing it it was getting way off Kamikaze Zombie topic. <laughs> um so towards the end though, like when we go into the breakdown part, I brought it back around to uh Terminator Two. And uh all all the lyrics are from um uh, Terminator 2 with uh, Sarah Connor.
0: Okay,
1: a, there, there's no fate of what we make for ourselves. All okay, that okay. is Terminator 2 stuff.
0: It was because uh, it was kind of resonating in my head, and I couldn't quite. It, my, the old brain wouldn't pull out yeah. what exactly it was. That's awesome. It, do you ever, do you ever have uh, sort of a temptation to work on a little stuff on the side that maybe isn't Kamikaze Zombie? Uh, Appropriate material, or have you got like a little collection of you know maybe one day this stuff will see the light? Um. Well, Steve and I actually
1: are are kind of. I'm not trying to spill the beans because we haven't really announced the announced this yet, but we have a. I'm trying to figure out how to say it without saying it. We have a thing coming up. We have we do have a, a kind of a side project with some friends. Okay. That um that we are kind of working on. Um, that's going to be completely different from Kamikaze Zombie. And um, I think people will be surprised at the positions the people who are in the band are going to be holding because we're not going to be holding our typical positions that you would think. Um, So, uh, like, for instance, uh, I'm actually going to be the drummer for this this particular thing, which is totally weird because I've never played drums in front of anybody other than, like, Couple people in the band practice. Like when we write songs and stuff uh, with drummers, I'll um, I'll get behind the kit sometimes and show them how to play the part if they can't figure out what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, this will be the first time I'll play drums with a in an actual band.
0: Oh wow, that's oh, wild! Yes. And see, I, I think though that's just part of being creative is <laughs> is you get. Uh, you you find one avenue that you start to you're 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 proficient at and you're finding satisfaction in it and I think that creative juice just sort of keeps going and you're like well what other directions can I focus on you know right. what I mean
1: yeah yeah that and um with this particular project um there's a couple of uh one you know Steve and I we with Comic Con Zombie is still very much fun for us and. um I love KZ, like it's my heart, you know, um, and there, there's no indication of Steve and I ever quitting this band, or slowing down, or whatever, but it is kind of, it is still kind of becoming more of a job, you know, we're getting to a point now where we have to tour, we have to do this, we have to do that, um, but with this other band, it's just, really just getting with friends and hanging out and playing music, and going back to our, our roots of just while we actually are in a band to begin with, which is you know the love of music and there's no pressure to put an album or any of that stuff
0: yeah you need you almost need to have your your uh non-pressing business interests as well yeah Well, awesome the new album the destroyer of all things uh the obviously bandcamp .bandcamp kamikazezombie.bandcamp.com. but uh where else can we find you online and uh what what uh do you want to tell us about the upcoming tour
1: um okay so you can find us online really any streaming uh services you have uh, i've been really trying to push spotify uh, i just i'm trying to just build our fan base on there but uh spotify, iHeartRadio radio, uh pandora, um youtube, um amazon music plus if you have like fire stick you can listen to us on your tv um just any, any, really, any streaming service. Uh, we're even on like the the German one. I think it's German, uh, the Dozer streaming service. Uh, any, any kind of streaming service you have, I'm sure we're on there. We're on iTunes, um, <clears throat> and then um, you know, KamikazeZombie.com is our website. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook uh, and Twitter. Um, our upcoming tour is uh, the first run of a. Of a of many <laughs> uh, we're going we're planning on really just until next year, just keep every other month be on the road for a few weeks. Um, this run, it starts in Atlanta and then we go to Memphis and then we go to uh, New Orleans and then Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, South Carolina, and then Fort Myers, Florida. And then we come home and then September we go out again um, to Indiana uh, then Detroit, Chicago, um, oh, shoot, I forgot the let's see, Wisconsin, St. Louis, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, then Atlanta again for the last day, and that that'll be in September.
0: Man, that's awesome, and that's a, that's a lot of travel in a short time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, then, uh, and then, then we do another one in November, but I don't have the dates for that yet. But it's going to be East Coast. I, I know that for a fact. We'll go. We'll, it'll be an East Coast ride.
0: And, of course, everybody can keep up with you guys. KamikazeZombie.com. Uh, Clint, thanks so much for coming back on the show and for talking about what's been going on and talking about the destroyer of all things. It's badass, man.
1: Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Dear Sumble, dear I say.
0: things podcast you're the best you can find the show on itunes stitcher downcast or in the ears of a trader vix employee love you mean it uh uh-huh